Monsters are everywhere. They always have been. They lurk, hidden in every shadow, behind every dark thought. They are probably in your closet, possessing your friends, and they're almost certainly creeping behind you now. They are most often undetectable, and when they're not, it's too late. Throughout time, these monsters have feasted on society, both physically and metaphysically. The chaos they bring fuels a great dark spirit that seeks to end the world with pain and torment. It's your turn to be afraid. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Thank you guys for joining us on Nerds from the Crypt podcast, the podcast where we interview indie creators and uh, talk to them about their upcoming horror projects. So we've been uh, out for, uh, what, a month and a half now after we reviewed Krampus. With uh, the great Tess from um, Tess Feifel from the Astonishing Legends um, mm-hmm. podcast over there, and um, we've been trying to schedule some time to be able to come back and give you guys another episode. And um, there's actually quite a bit of things that are going to be coming up here in the next couple of uh, weeks and months. But before we go over all that, let me go ahead and introduce my co-host for today, Greg. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. And David, I'm doing good. Got my cup of coffee. I'm here. How did you guys do um, through the uh, Christmas vacation? Well, I'm here, so the Krampus didn't get me. So it must have been pretty good. Although I did find a bell, so I don't know. Ooh, ooh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce who our guest for today. Um, well, that way we can just go ahead and ask him a couple questions before we even dive into the project. Um, we have John Horsley, who will be jo- joining us and talking about his anthology that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, John, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing good. It's early, and I was up late last night uh, drinking and doing podcasting, and now I'm up early again doing this. You know, <laughs> yeah, I um, I woke up to to see a, the what's it, the Instagram post that you that you had like, man, this guy this guy's up late. <laughs> well, I had last night I did a I did a recording with a podcast out of Australia, so I had to oh, be okay. up late for that. And I was like, well, well, now I need to go crash and get up for this. <laughs> so, but I'm good. I've, I've got coffee. I'm. <laughs> I'm hiding out in my bathroom closet because everyone's asleep here in my house. So, you know, do, do what I got to do. <laughs> how are the acoustics in your bathroom, John? They're actually pretty good, surprisingly, because um, how I have it set up, we have a – there's these these shelves that have indent, they're like deep shelves. So I put the mic and the computer in the deep shelves so everything gets trapped in there so it doesn't like echo. Oh. That's amazing. I feel like so I want to design my next house to be like a studio inside the, the, the bathroom. Yeah, then I feel like I feel like people are going to be like, "What the heck is the guy planning to do soundproofing <laughs> his, his restroom?" Well, <laughs> but it, <laughs> you need to soundproof the restroom for most occasions, right? Yeah, I mean, for mostly. <laughs> what are these chains for? Oh, well, that's so, so, so that's a different that's a oh that's a, that's a different podcast. Yeah, <laughs> that's a different use case right there. <laughs> so, how are you guys? Um, how'd you guys deal with the with with the vacation, the long long layoff here for at least for us? So I don't know about you, John. No vacations for me. Well, kind of vacation for me. I took some time off from work, but she kept doing more work for the book rather than day job work. So, yeah, that's usually how how it goes, right? When you're when you try to do your own things. Yeah, yeah. Spend all your all your waking <laughs> moments working on that when you're not working. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, I did say you have an anthology coming out, and um, let's go ahead and just dive in real quick into that. Okay. Um, it's the Eins anthology, right? As I said that correctly. Yep, Eins. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, where did where did this idea for this uh, project come from? 
so a couple of years ago, I was seeing all these anthologies go online, and um, I decided that I wanted to get into doing horror because I've always been a guy who draws monsters, draws this like really messed up stuff. Ever since I was a kid, I would just draw like you know disembodied people with their arms and their heads chopped off, like just really surreal stuff with like you know airplanes flying out of someone's brain, like literally flying out of their brain, <laughs> stuff like that. You know, just weird stuff. And I'm actually surprised my parents didn't have me checked out as a kid because some of my drawings when I was like 10 or 12 were like really messed up. <laughs> but a couple years ago, I decided I wanted to take that love of drawing monsters. And then instead of drawing like, you know, the funny humorous stuff I've been, I had been doing in comics, I was like, you know what? Let's try and see if I can leverage this love of drawing just creepy stuff. So I started creating this world, um, the Ions world. And um, it just kind of came out of, of seeing anthologies online and seeing, what everybody else was doing going you know what i want to i want to do something similar but but its own spin on it and so with the audience anthology instead of it being just a regular anthology where people submit stories and submit uh, their ideas and it all goes published under a theme it's more of a connected a connected story so each person who worked on the story created their own story like, like greg wrote his story but he wrote his story within the world of the ions using characters that i created with from the ions you know, with little guidance here and there and saying, okay, this is the time period you want to work in. This is who's alive in that time period. And then go have fun, create a story. Then we take those stories and get them drawn, get them colored and lettered and have them all fit into this larger narrative of the book. So the, while the anthology is a collection of short stories, it's more than that because the book in each book, we have, a, we have a planned four book arc for this series, but each book tells a bigger story. So when you read the, the entire book, you get one big story, but you also get 10 little stories throughout the, throughout that book. That that's actually a really, um, I, I would say, clever idea how to, how to handle this anthology or anthology types because um, it's I don't think I've ever seen an anthology that does it that way. In my, I mean, I haven't. I might be wrong, but I've never seen. I haven't seen one laid out that in that particular um, format. Yeah, I can't say that I have either. I mean, and there may be one. I don't know, and I may have I may have seen one before, but I can't think of anyone that, that does that whole does that idea. Because I want to do it, you know, I want, like I said, I want to do it a little differently. I wanted to make it where it was more challenging and a little more fun. And, and honestly, it gave me a little more control of what went in the book. And it made it to where it was like, it was more of like, even though I didn't write all the stories or draw all the stories, I was still involved in all the stories because all the stories I had to help a little bit with, you know, some less, some a lot less, some more, you know, and it made a lot, I made the whole process the last two years of making this book a whole lot more fun for me. Yeah, nice. I've been as following it along as one of the creators that, that's in it and going through with the, all the different posts in our group and stuff like that. It's really cool to see how you've created the lore around certain aspects and then just watching people just run with it has been pretty fun because everyone everyone has their own take on it. But then it also helps. It was helping us as we were as creators, you know, uh, Travis, Mike and myself uh, and, and our and our buddy David here. Yeah, but uh, come up with pieces of the stories that are going to fit into book books one and later books. So it's it's really it's been it's been a fun experience for us too. On the creative, what's it like on to? Because um, it is a really brilliant idea to plan for ahead with a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. How does it like to map that all out when like you're in charge of all these people, but like they're also acting on their own, and you're like four books out, like this is all going to be happening. It's been. A logistical nightmare but i mean that in a good way because um about eight months ago i had to i decided that i needed help with this project that i was i, I couldn't do the back-end stuff and all the planning on my own so i hired um actually he was a friend of mine casey allen who runs the comic jam um which if, if you haven't heard of the comic jam check it out it's really cool but um i hired him to come on with me and say hey i need a co-editor somebody to help with some of the background tasks of keeping things in line of getting 
getting some of the stuff that I don't have time to do, you know, if you have time to do it, we can kind of share the task here of like, you know, making sure everybody has um, their stories in, making sure all the stuff on the website is up to date and done, making sure that we have the right stories for the right book and we can help, you know, help me figure out what story should be in book one and book two and so on to tell the right story overall and then help, help me to, excuse me, and then help me to craft the bigger story, you know, because I have ideas for the bigger story, but bouncing the ideas off of somebody else, I'm able to, able to like, okay, let's, let's go this direction with it and kind of stuff like that. And bringing him on really helped um, streamline the, the backend process of not only getting all the stories in and getting all the stories finished and to the point where they can be printed, but getting all of the, all of the background stuff that when I first started this project, I didn't even think about all, you know, all, all the admin level stuff. I'm like, Oh, I did. I have to hire, I have to hire a designer to design the pages. I have to work out all, work out all this, this logistics here. Oh my God. You know, that kind of stuff so really can be a lot easier. So you've already kind of alluded to um, how this is going to work or how the, the anthology is going to work, but do you want to give us a, um, let's say the, the, well, a synopsis of it, of what, how, it, how it all is going to tie in? Um, a little bit. Yeah. So, um, like the world, the world of the book of the book, it's, there's the, the family, the Ains, you know, they, they're connected to the supernatural, to the occult, to the monsters, things go bump in the night. And those things are also attracted to the Ains. So with the, what the, what the books do is the books tell short stories or short snippets of time for characters throughout the, the Ains family tree. So we'll have stories from like, you know, 1600, from 1980, from, you know, 2025. And they tell these stories for these family members of their dealings with the monsters of the world. And they all connect in the fact, I mean, they all connect because they're family, right? So someone like one story you'll read would be someone's grandpa or someone's great grandpa or something like that, right? But there's also inter, there's also interconnected themes to the stories. And there's also interconnected things you'll see in the art. Like you'll see something in the first story that will show up again in the fifth story, but yet they will be 800 years apart, you know, so if, you're, if you're paying attention. <clears throat> and I always, that, that's kind of like those little Easter eggs that you, you pick up if, you, if you're actually paying attention to all the stories, right? Yeah, yeah. This, this the book is the first book one, and all the books are full of tons of Easter eggs for, for each story. So it's we've I've worked really closely with all the artists to make sure that things show up, but they're not like blatantly obvious, you know. But they'll just if you pay attention, you'll find uh, cooler cues for for other stories in there. Um, but you know, crafting this first book, we decided so we decided that the first book we wanted to be it's going to be connected, right? There's going to be a bigger story in the first book, but the first book is really okay. Let's give people a sense of what this world is, what happens in this world. So. When on first read or first look at the story, when you see like the type that you know, you look at the preview and you see what stories are in there, you're, it looks like it's just a collection of stories. But if you read them all in order and you read the 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 tenth story, which the tenth story is a, it's basically a story between the pages. There's an extra story that takes place in between the stories, mm-hmm. and oh, nice. all of that comes play and it, it it connects them all, makes them all one bigger narrative. And the bigger narrative for book one is let's show everybody what is in this world, like what to expect. Uh, and then when it when you get to book two, you have more of the character building, more of the more of the arc of what the actual story is going to end up being. But book one is really just a big a big setup piece. And it's I gotta say, some the the writers like like Greg and Michael and, and Travis and and Joseph and they all did an amazing job writing their stories and Without even knowing it, the stories they wrote were great stories we could put in this book to be to be world world building. Because when I when I had them write them, I didn't tell them, "Hey, write a story to help build the world." They just wrote a story, but they ended up being these great stories I could put in the book and say, "Okay, you read this now, you know what happens, like what can happen in this world." <laughs> yeah. And where did um? You kind of already told us also uh, your background in horror, right? You you said you grew up um, drawing these these monsters, but was there anything that you can remember that you actually that actually hooked you to to this kind of art? 
Um, probably Mortal Kombat when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I played a lot of Mortal Kombat, a lot of Killer Instinct, and that got me drawn to like things getting torn apart, which then got me into watching horror movies behind my parents' backs, you know? Um, because my parents they weren't like they weren't prudes, but they didn't want me watching R rated movies at 10. But mm-hmm. I would I I had it. My sister was six years old, six years older than me, so I just watched them with her because she would let me watch them, you know. And then I'd watch like you know, just whatever cheesy thing I could watch, cheesy horror movies or scary horror movies. And I used to love watching anything that would try and scare me. And then I got into watching like B-rated, like B-rated like gore fests, you know, a lot of trauma films when I was in high school. (laughs) Um, I got a buddy out of Florida, um, my buddy Alberto, who's really, really big in the trauma. And he used to send me like in the late 90s, early 2000s, he would like send me DVDs of his trauma films to watch, which was really (laughs) cool. (laughs) Didn't uh, um, didn't we just talk about they were gonna release something, um, like a couple of episodes ago? Uh, the trauma was. Yeah, and and uh, I think it was Casey. Was like, they're still around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think it's it's they. Well, I mean, they've got they they have a re- really good presence at San Diego Comic Con. You can see the man himself, Mr. Kaufman, out there, uh, pitching his wares. But and and they've always got new movies cruising out of their studios. Uh, in production and stuff like that. But I think they're going to do some remaster stuff. I think they were taking on uh, some of the streaming services with their own streaming service, a straight up pure trauma streaming service so that all their films and and content is all in one spot. And I think uh, Toxie is coming back too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. They've been talking about doing it. They've been talking about doing a new Toxie for a while. Yeah. Which would be cool. Cause I like I love Toxie. I used to watch the cartoon all the time. Yeah, that's right. That's where I, that's how I was introduced to Toxic Avenger, <laughs> which was insane because they made a kids show out of Toxic Avenger. I'm like, that's yeah. not a kids movie. Stickers <laughs> and toys and everything. Or, if, well, don't you, or, don't you remember the '90s or in late '80s, early '90s? Yeah, they had what is it? Um, Rambo had his own cartoon, right? And um, Rambo's not kids. <laughs> even, loved it. even stuff like the Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters uh, was for kids, but the monsters on there were were hor- well, horrifying they weren't they weren't kid-friendly monsters you know ghostbusters was for kids but that movie has a ghost sex scene in it and it's a pg yes, movie yes. <laughs> and I, I i watched it with my kids because like what's going on i'm like ah, nothing i don't know what's going on his bell was on too tight he needed help <laughs> right he needed help with it <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean that, that's just I guess the uh, change in um, the times as far as what what was uh, able to get well I guess what what films were able to get away with and what cartoon um, companies were able to get away with showing yeah, kids back yeah. then. Definitely, and that and that, well, and that came out that came out before the PG thirteen rating anyways. So that was before they had that that, that extra rating between PG and R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that that it blew my mind. Sometimes when I go back, I'm like, oh, I don't remember. Well, either I'll be like, I don't remember that part. I'm like, oh yeah, that does have this scene in there. Yeah, yeah. Because um, <laughs> I was, I'm always having to try to 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 convince my wife to watch some of the older movies with me. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, going back to the Einz uh, anthology, when is uh, this going to be going live on on Kickstarter? So it goes live on February first, and it'll be live for thirty days. And so for the month of February, and then a little bit into March, because I and I selfishly waited that way because I wanted the the Kickstarter to go over my birthday, which is March first. So I'm I I, I launched it to where it would be going. It would end after my birthday, so I can do something for my birthday with the book. <laughs> oh, nice! This guy, this guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, you know. <laughs> and uh, what are the things you can share with us um, before the the Kickstarter goes live? Like um, as far as you know, the goal um, and tiers that you you'll have available for pe- for people to join in on. Sure. So the goal of the Kickstarter is just to fund the printing of the book. So all the creators that have worked on the book um, have already been been paid what they wanted to get paid uh, prior to the launch. You know, mm-hmm. so um, they they. Not, I'm not trying to fund payment for the for the creators because I've already paid all the artists out of my own pocket and stuff like that. But we're trying to fund just the printing of the book to print a thousand copies, which is going to cost around forty five hundred dollars to do that with shipping and all that kind of stuff because this is a bigger book. And the rewards we're going to give out on this one, you know, we've got the, the normal the normal PDF reward you can get, which is going to have the digital copy of the book, the physical reward for twenty dollars, which gets you the actual the actual book plus any other digital digital rewards we have will will go in the same thing. So everybody every every level gets gets all the PDF stuff. So if we add any like extra books or extra wallpapers or whatever, um, every reward tier will get all of those. We have a sketch cover level for 50, which is the the books, the full trade paperback book with a sketch cover in the front of it that I will then paint a monster on for everybody um, for whatever, you know, one of the monsters from the book or something else. Um, that's for 50. And that also gets you the print pack we're going to put together, which has um, right now it has five different prints in it. Um, but we're working to add more throughout the campaign more as prints. well as more prints right and then um all all the pdf stuff will come down as well and then if you go up higher we actually have for 75 dollars um which this one's cool because this one this one was unique and something we didn't know we were going to do until it actually happened um but um clayton hollyfield the guy who wrote michael tanner's script the wanderer or drew michael tanner's script the wanderer he actually when he started doing all of his layouts did them all on a copy of the script so he printed out the script and then drew all of his sketches and all of his layout pages on the actual script itself so We're taking that. I'm going to have Michael sign it. Clayton's going to sign it. I'm going to sign it. And we're offering that for 75 plus the book, plus all the, the PDF stuff. That's nice. so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was the cue. He, he was going to throw it away. I'm like, no, no, don't throw that away. That's really cool. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And then we have, I was able to actually get um, several of the artists to sell me their, the actual art pages to offer up in the Kickstarter reward. So at the $200 level, um, and I'm just keeping them all at $200 for all the people. Um, I've got six of the stories of the art pages that we're offering for the, you get the actual, an actual page um, drawn by the artist, signed by the artist and and the writer, if the writer's local to me um, and myself, and then you'll get the book, you get the print pack, you'll get anything else we add as far as stretch goals and all the, all the digital stuff as well. And what's really cool about that is two of the artists um, that are on the book, one's from Argentina and one's from the Philippines, and they've been working and doing indie comics, you know, for years this is the first time their art will ever be offered in the U.S. This, they've never had their original art pages shipped over to the U.S. before, and I actually paid to have it shipped here, so I'd have them here in hand. Wow. How do you get connected with people like that? I just looked online to find um, just to find people that I liked their art for, and I on Instagram, on, on Reddit, on Twitter, on Facebook. I just kept looking around until I find people that I really connected with their, the way they drew and then messaged them and said, hey, I have this idea for this book. Do you want to work on it? <laughs> Did you go into it with the mind of like, I'm looking for a horror book or you're like, whatever your art is that I can connect with. That's what I'm going to work with. I went for people. I, I didn't look for horror artists. I just looked for artists. Like one of the guys, he's, he's, he's a, an amazing artist and he, his pages are fantastic, but his background is more like the uh, thriller books and adult, you know, adult books. And I was like, right. your art's fantastic. I have a story that would, that would fit you very well. And so he's like, he read it. And he's like, yeah, this is great. I love it. I'd love to work on it. So I went for people whose art style that I enjoy that I that I enjoyed because I like I thought you know if I if they have a good sampling of what they do even if it's not horror, I bet they could do horror you know. So well, yeah, looking at the sampling you have um, on the Kickstarter, 
like each story holds its own theme with a different art style. Yeah, that was that was that was on purpose. <laughs> right, right. And I mean, yeah, like like David said, and the things that the art style works with each story, at least from everything that I've seen. Yeah, um, I gotta say the 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 Krampus Hunter or what is it, Krampus yeah. Killer? What is it called? Nancy Nancy Iron Krampus Killer. Krampus Killer. That looks amazing. And yeah, that one's awesome. That one's written. That one's written by my my uh, my, my my co-host for my podcast, Kenrick, and uh, we actually got Scott Godleski to draw that one, which was which was a pretty big get because he's a he's an amazing artist. It's gonna be cool. Now, is this um on the sample that we got? Is that the end of that story for right there, or is that still have do you still have a couple more pages there to go on that? So the Krampus story, that's all it's in book one. There's more coming for that story, but that we decided to put just a three pager of that one in there as a teaser. And because wow. that, that, that was our holiday teaser for um, December last year, we released that online. So we've got more in the works for that one. Um, but for the first book and for the first one, we just we just put the little teaser of Nancy in there to kind of like feed for future books and future stories. Cool, cool. But I, I mean, what, there when will be you more release her. this, when you release this out to for for everybody to uh, to see, which um, what I'll do is I'll release this on February first. So by the time you guys are hearing this, it's already out there. I'll have I'll make sure to have the link in the description so you guys can see it. But you guys are gonna really enjoy the, the art in, in this and the writing in this from the the couple pages that that I've been able to see um, is is beautiful. It's awesome. Yeah, th- uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that because I think everybody who worked on this book did a, an amazing job, and and uh, like Greg's story is is so much fun and so so good, and it's great. We have stories like Greg's and stories like Michael's, and they're so <clears throat> excuse me, they're so different in tone from story to story, but they're very they're both all of them are very good about helping build this world and letting you know that anything can happen within these parameters, and it's each story has its own its own feel to it, but yet they all fit the bigger overall overall tone of it. And everybody who worked on this book. Like, I'm impressed by the fact that I got such great people to come work on this book with me and, and produce such, you know, such great stories. And it's for me as the guy who put this book together and did, you know, I did some of the writing and some of the art as well. But getting everybody else to come in and kind of see the vision with me and produce a product that I think is top notch is just been awe inspiring for myself. And just so everybody know that Greg does have a, a story here and it's going to be another another interview with with a story that Greg has in it. It was not intentional. Um, actually, uh, John and I uh, reconnected. What is it on Screen Fix, the Facebook group? I think it is. Um, mm-hmm. And we've been, we had what messaged each other about almost a year ago, right? Like in yeah, a while March, ago. <laughs> I think it was in March or something like that. And then um, as soon as we talked, I go, I, I went over to Greg and I go, Greg, uh, we have, I have this possible interview we can get. Um, and I told him what it was, and he's, and he's like, Oh yeah, um, I'm part of that. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> then yeah. you know exactly what it is. I know exactly uh, what it is. So how did you how did you and Greg uh, come together to work on this project? So I actually the very first time I ever tabled at a con as an artist because I have been drawing <laughs> as for a long this is it's a funny story it is a good story <laughs> yeah so I I had been doing comic books and web comics from, from two thousand three on but I never went I I went to shows um for other things but I never got a table to like sell my own books so I was like oh at the time I was like oh no one, nobody wants to buy my stupid dick and fart joke books you know I don't nobody wants that but they're so funny <laughs> thank you thank you but then I decided one day screw it I'm gonna do it I'm gonna get a table so I got a table at a local con you know in Silverdale and I ended up having a table next to Greg's wife and we just talked and talked and talked and he's like oh I wish Greg was here and Greg wasn't at that show 
And then the next show Greg was at, and then I pretty much spent the entire time chatting with Greg back and forth from my, my table to his table. And my son spent the entire con trying to con Greg out of one of his books. <laughs> it was funny though, because John and I were in two separate rooms at this show. And so he was constantly leaving. And then, and then when he wasn't there, his like, like you said, his son was trying to con me. He actually did. He got, he, he got me, <laughs> got over on me, not on, not on a book I wrote, but, uh, totally got a teen titans he did me. and a, a did. good classic teen titans <laughs> yeah and, and i was like damn but the kid is so he's such a good talker he you is know? he he's he, a very he's very good at, at at getting his point across and like making you think it's your idea <laughs> yeah 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 i was like you know what you're right i should share this book with a with the young youth of today and get them into this good. and he's oh thank you sir you're so great oh i was like this is this is a good kid. He scammed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember he came back to the table and he was just smiling. I'm like, what'd you do? What'd you do? <laughs> he he he's good though. He's good. He's 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 a fun guy. <laughs> That's the same show he got somebody else to give him like two boxes of, of Bronze Age books for free. Yeah, and then he used some of those Bronze Age books to give to me to trade me, yeah. to trade <laughs> up oh, on me. <laughs> he got he got them all for free, you know. He got them. He's, he's gonna work in his market. market. Yeah. I know, right? He's a hustler. <laughs> He is a hustler, <laughs> but then from that, Greg and I became friends. We started talking and stuff. And then when I had this, when I had this idea for the project, Greg was one of the first writers that I reached out to and saying, "Hey, do you have any interest in working on this?" And thankfully, he said yes, and he introduced me to Michael Tanner and introduced me to Travis Webb, who both have stories in book one as well. We've had a uh, Michael on the on the podcast, right, Greg? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say I I I know I know the name. Uh, we just had him a couple episodes ago, actually. Yeah with uh he did uh well i mean he he does a, a, a myriad of things but uh he does that uh, that one that one yeah, great that, book right uh yeah it's like about those the kids and the you know the zombies and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, wait that... i write that with him yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, I, it's, it's, it's all right it's all right yeah it's all right <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't sure if it was the same michael tanner i was like yeah i started looking him up oh it is it's the same dude yeah, he yeah, wrote he of... wrote probably the most screwed up story in the entire book it's it's, it's it, his story he wrote is the one that's gonna make you go oh at the end of it and like your stomach's gonna turn a little bit but it's i love it <laughs> the, the <laughs> take a shower part, afterwards yeah 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 you will the fun part about doing anthologies like this is michael and i have we're we're we get pigeonholed as like oh you guys write the kids books but then when we get an opportunity to write something like this it's a, a little off point for most people that have their that reference point for us they're like oh wow you guys are dark <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, even your books, I mean, they're for kids, but they have uh, zombies in them. So come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're 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 like that R.L. Stein horror based, you know, fun and, and it's a good romp. But this is like this the kind of stuff that Michael did for this. And then this is Stephen King here. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a it's a twister. <laughs> What's great about Michael's story? He, as I said, hey, how would you like to write a story of a guy who's just plain evil? And he goes, I would, I'd love to. And it's like, make him as evil as you want to. And he goes, perfect. And he turned it into a story, and I was like, "You went, you went for it. You went all out." <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's it's so much of a an, it's so much of a story that's just dark that when I hired the first colorist to color that story, he read the script and then said, "I can't do this." <laughs> pass, <laughs> that, hard pass, can't do it. Yeah, he was like, "Nope, I can't do this. I'm sorry, I can't work on the story. It's against everything I believe." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. When it's just a story, and it's clearly he's evil, and it's well, okay, you know." So I was that. I told Michael that I told Clayton the guy who drew it. He goes, "Oh, that, I guess that means we did what we, we we hit the goal we wanted to hit with this with the short story." I'm like, "Yeah, I guess so." Yeah. <laughs> well, 
Well, and the really scary part about like Michael's story so far that you see in the sample is like there are no words, which like adds another layer of uh, horror to that. Yeah, yeah, it's just the visuals and it's it just it's setting stuff up. Yeah, <laughs> was that intentional when you're talking to some artists about like no words, some words, or did you leave that up to their interpretation? Um, it's up to interpretation. So most th- those pages actually will have words on them in, in the final draft. Um, not a lot. The first two pages are kind of are kind of just like a little bit of building. Um, but there's one of the stories, Camelot's Gift, which is one that I wrote and that Rick Bugby drew. Um, that one actually has has words and so much like their sound effect, but there's no actual talking in in the whole st- in all six pages. So all and that's driven. It's it's all it's all and what's what's great about it too is it's is Rick Bugby, the guy who drew it, mm-hmm. did such a fantastic job on the art to where as you're reading it, your eyes the panels make your eyes follow the action of where it's going. Yeah, like in in so much as like there's there's, there's this one section of panels that are like kind of bended and, and warped down like a line, but the line, you follow the line, it brings you to the bottom panel and to follow the action. And he managed to keep it to where we had, originally it had a couple of words in it to kind of make it flow. But after he finished the art, I was like, we don't need the words. Like you can read this story and, and have pretty much only the words like in the newspaper and some sound effects and it, and it plays through fine. So that's, we ended up making that one cool. almost a silent story and it worked, it worked really well. I think it fits the time frame in which the story is into. Yeah, it takes place in the forties and it's all like, excuse me all detective old silence yeah i think rick's one of my favorite artists in the world because he's so unknown but he's so fantastic yeah definitely cool stuff because you're right it does it 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 leads that following uh transition from panel to panel yeah yeah i'm looking actually looking at it right now as as we're talking yeah rick was actually fortunate enough i was to get him to draw two stories in the first book and that was completely by by accident because i I didn't want to have people repeating in the book you know because i wanted to save you know this person's in these Mm. books you know whatever but we, the two stories he drew, we ended up deciding that both of them were really good about setting tones for the world. So that we both had, to, we ended up putting both of them in the first book. So, with you, with you saying that this is going to be four books, yeah. Do you already do you already have them all completed, and you're just <clears throat> releasing them separately, or are you are you still working on the other three as you're as you're preparing to get this one ready? So they're not completed. Book two is about just about halfway done as far as um, through art and through uh, scripts. We have. That each book is going to be right about eight to ten stories. We have seven stories in book two, and about I think five of them are drawn, and then one of them is colored. So we're in that, in that process there. So it's about 60 percent done. Um, book three has is about twenty percent done. It has one story that's completed for ten pages, and then a couple other stories selected and being worked on. And then book four right now is kind of up in the air because we're kind of waiting to start book four until we finish book two, so we can determine the where we want where we want to take the last book for the for the for the finalize for the story. So we're definitely thinking ahead here, and while you know, while Casey and I are finalizing book one and getting it on Kickstarter, um, we also have the the, art, the artists in the background working on book two and book three, um, those stories to get them done. But we have we have all this all the scripts and all the stories in for for all four books. Awesome. That means you 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 won't have too much of a of a lag between between books. Uh, uh, our goal our goal is three to is is uh three to four months after book one we'll we'll, we'll put book two out and then three to four months book three out and then have all four of them out within the next year and a half or so. It's an aggressive cool. timeline, but That's I, a, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's aggressive. But we've been doing this for two over two years, yeah. and we've been we've been yeah. stockpiling the stories up to to make it to where we can you know hopefully hit that. Well, it also gives you an incentive for as as a reader, like oh I'm gonna keep backing this because I know there's there's times where um the next issue will be like five six years and you're like yeah. yeah. By then, you're like, do I really want to continue reading this? But yeah. um, the stories, I mean, as long as the stories are are um, great, they're, you're going to keep bringing them in. And then going back to back to back um, in that short time frame, that's going to that's gonna keep people just keep coming back more. 
that's that's the goal. And I think the stories are great because I mean, so many great people worked on these books. I can't I can't imagine people not liking them. I I mean, I may be biased, but I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to just say that like you, uh, one of the things is uh, as a creator, you gave a lot of people the ability to like really stretch out stuff. Um, I know uh, with the black hand that Travis wanted to condense a story down. And you're like, no, you got a big story here. Tell it. Yeah. In a piece, Cause I, I originally told everybody, you know, no more than eight pages. And he came back to me with a 24 page script. And I was like, he's like, I, I got to break it down. And so he, he whittled it down to 12 and I was like, I read the 12 page script and him and I are both like, this doesn't work in 12 pages. You need, need more. So he ended up making it 16 pages and, it, and then it just works well. There's no filler. There's no, it, everything that needs to be there is be there. And he was like, you sure 16 pages? Cause you said no more than eight. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want to make sure that the story is being told is told and it's not, you know, it doesn't get, cut off just because of a page constriction you know because ultimately i'm in control of the pages so i can change it if i want to <laughs> and that one that's one that looks like what is it uh is that what are they in war what what's going on there that's there it's world war one and it's okay. um takes, it takes place in gallipoli it's based on a true story um that travis found of a, a, a unit in world war one a british unit that disappeared in gallipoli and was never found again so it's based around that story idea and then mm-hmm. it kind of takes it to a, a you know a supernatural element you're gonna send me down a black hole of wikipedia yeah there's actually a couple stories that are based on like that story is based on a true story um michael tanner's the wanderer is actually based on a true story as well um so there's some there's some stuff there and then the camelot's gift is the one that i wrote is very very loosely based on a true story um and by loosely i mean the time frame and kind of what happens you know but not necessarily demons involved you know but you know there's kind of some loose elements of true story there Nice. You're gonna be like, um, what is it called? Like Doctor Who when it takes uh, <laughs> ex- uh, period pieces, and this happened and this happened, but it was always aliens that were behind everything. <laughs> always aliens. <laughs> yeah, um, I've been bringing up a lot of Doctor Who because I've been, I just recently got into it. I'm like trying to get everybody to watch it now. I actually started watching it too. Like in last last uh, um, like six months ago, I started watching Doctor Who, and so far I love it. Yeah, uh, I I binge watched all. Um, 10 seasons that were out at the time um in nice. like two months that's more than i've done that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you like tore through them <laughs> well i i work a lot of, i work a lot at home uh, yeah so while i'm working on my on the laptop i have what would normally be my second screen <laughs> I have that set up as my TV. Uh, Doctor Who screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hope I hope nobody from your work is listening to this. <laughs> oh no no this is why I'm working at home for my stuff. Oh 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 okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I always have my office closed. Uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody's like, "What are you doing in there?" <laughs> I'm working. Leave me alone. Working. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what other horror? Uh, things are you into like uh, what 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 are your favorite movies or books what do, what do you do when you when you're not um working away at, at these books so it's kind of funny because when i when i got married my wife um 12 years ago she could not stand horror films anything scary like she was it 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 scared her and she didn't want to watch them and so for a while in fact the first like probably five years we were married we didn't really watch horror movies or if i watched a horror film it was just i would watch it like by myself you know when she was asleep or something like that in the bathroom in the bathroom all the time <laughs> apparently i hang out in the bathroom all the time that's just what i do but uh no and then then one year for some reason one year something just flipped and she just at christmas time she just put on a horror film and we watched it <laughs> and then we started watching horror films all december for christmas time and then every year now since then we in december for christmas time we watch horror films and 
it's like nonstop. We'll just watch, put on like every night that some different random horror film. We just find something on Netflix or on Hulu or whatever, and just mm-hmm. put it on and see how it is. And she just, and now she loves it because now she spends her t- the whole time watching it, trying to figure out who's the killer or who, or what's going on or everything like that. And like, you know, when we first got married, it was like, she couldn't, she could not bear to watch anything scary at all. So anymore, so like, so like right, about five years. Yeah. It took about five years for her to get into it. And then, but now, you know, like, yeah, like, right. Like now we, so now like last night we were watching horror films. We, well, we watched Scream 4 last night, which isn't really a horror film, but it's kind of a slasher film. But it's, we watched it last, it was fun. I mean, it, was, it was a lot of fun. And I'll, I really I'll, enjoyed, I'll, yeah, I really enjoyed I'll, Scream 4. I'll be honest with you. We, I, we put it on and I was totally, I was, I had been drinking a little bit because I was like, I need a drink after a long day at work. And um, so I was already two drinks in when I was, we put this movie on. <laughs> and um, I was, we were watching it and we we're trying to find something horror to watch. He's like, I don't want to scare your film. I'm like, let's find something. So we get to Scream 4, and above it was like Scary Movie 1, 2, and 3, right? <laughs> and it got to Scream 4, and I saw the graphic. I'm like, I don't remember that one. They made a, I mean, I know they made a fourth one, but I don't think I've seen that one because I don't remember Hayden Panter being in, in Scary Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Until we put it on, and we're watching it, and you know, the first, the opening is all like, you know, the stab six, stab seven, and the recreation of the beginning scenes and stuff. And it took about 20 minutes, and we both look at each other, but we both go, this isn't scary movie. <laughs> and we're like, but we'll, we'll keep watching, you know, because the screams, the scream movies are fun. So we end up watching it through the end and it was a lot of fun, you know, and, but it was just funny because we both, I mean, we both without even trying thought it was a different movie and, and didn't even realize still half, you know, 20 minutes into the movie that it wasn't what we thought it was, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> that's one of, that's the one um, series that I was able to get my wife into. Um, yeah, we, now we've been married three years. I was like, okay, I got two more years before I can, she, she gets sucked into to all the, <laughs> the horror. Yeah. But um, that was one series that she did she did enjoy. Um, mainly it's, because it's not horror horror. It's yeah, yeah. It's 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 campy horror, but it's it's done. It's very tongue in cheek. I mean, it's very meta and very aware of itself. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I think the the fact that it actually was a I want I don't want to say parody or even. Um, it knew what it was trying to do, like just like the original Scream, the whole all the rules of horror and all that. Yeah, um, yeah. horror was like what the reboot and yeah, keeping the the original, keeping something original to the. I mean, keeping something in line with the original movie, with mm-hmm. uh, with Sydney's cousin being in there and all that. It it just, uh, I really enjoyed it. I don't think there's gonna be a five. Um, I don't know if they're gonna reboot late, even later on. Um, I tried to watch this, the TV show. I got like two episodes in and then kind of dropped off after that. You too. Huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah. The TV show wasn't very good, but no, the four was pretty fun. It was a lot of fun. I mean, it had a good cast, you know, I mean, Emma Roberts was mm-hmm. in it and, and Hayden Pantera and all the original, you know, Courtney Cox and them were there. I, I mean, I had a lot of fun with it. Um, we watch a lot of like the stupid, like occult TV shows, like Supernatural and Charmed and stuff like that. And then that, that leads us into watching, you know, more horror films. I watch more the the slasher films my wife does, but she likes to watch the ones that are like psychological horror that mess with your brain. Um, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> what she likes. So we watch those with her. And, I, and I'm, I'm totally blanking on any name titles right now because it's early in the morning and I've only had one cup of coffee. Um, but we <laughs> did watch one. one. With, is it the one with the, the, the lady and the guy that both have faces? There's hair. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, and the twist at the end. It was oh yeah, yeah totally. That, that, that's you guys know that one. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Classic. But the one that comes to mind that we've watched recently, by you recently, I mean like a year and a half ago. Um, it's called The Curse of Sleeping Beauty, and it was on Netflix, and it's so horribly mm-hmm. bad that it's funny. <laughs> ah. oh man. Like, um, I, I love bad horror movies. 
Yeah, like we literally watched it because the graphic on Netflix had was this girl in this really freaking cool dress, right? And it was like it's like black and blue, and like she had this cool headdress, and like it looked it looked creepy. And we're like, oh, let's watch this one. And that scene of that dress was like 30 seconds of the movie. The rest of it is all just this <laughs> nonsensical, it doesn't make any sense. Like mm-hmm. there's the plot, but it's a very thin plot in the movie. <laughs> That's what makes wasn't, it the best. Wasn't yeah. there a horror Snow White movie with uh, Sigourney Weaver? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but our, I think it was a rump, and the Rumpelstiltskin and all that. I, I I love when they twist the the uh, fairy tales and well, actually they're not even twisted. They're the I guess the happy ending ones are the twisted ones, right? Yeah, they are. Because yeah. the fairy tales are very dark, very dark. <laughs> but yeah, so. we like to watch we like to watch random scary movies on Netflix and Hulu. That's, that's what we do usually at night. We'll put on some. We'll look in the the horror section and find something that looks interesting and just put it on. And usually, I forget the name of it, but we have we have fun with it. David has already located the Curse of Sleeping Beauty. This is hilarious. <laughs> I need yeah. this now. <laughs> it's so horribly bad, but it's so awesome at the same time. <laughs> you would, uh, my favorite, my favorite horrible um, horror movie is a Mosquito. I don't know if y'all ever saw that one. No, no, haven't heard of that. Um, Gunnar Hansen comes out in it. Ah, <laughs> and. Um, let me see what I'm gonna go ahead and look it up because I can see what year it came out in. Uh, yeah, I just got 94. my ooh, I'm just got my partner back into the Friday the thirteenth franchise. It's so awesome for yes. being 80s. So this is Mosquito nineteen ninety-four. A violent massacre caused by human-sized mosquitoes forces the lone survivors to band together <laughs> in a fight of survival. <laughs> As mosquitoes continue their onslaught, that just sounds too amazing to be true. <laughs> so, like I said, Gunnar Hansen comes out, and at one point, he he comes out with the chainsaw. Against <laughs> so, the mosquitoes, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually takes out a couple of mosquitoes with with the uh, with with the chainsaw. Well, they're human size, so yeah, of yeah. course that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> does does Jaws count as a horror film? Yeah. 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 Because I bring it up because my he's now five, but he was three and a half, almost four. My son Jack, he decided that he wanted to watch all of the Jaws movies one year, uh. and he just sat and <laughs> he made, he made us put on all four Jaws movies back to back to back, and that was a that was an experience because when you get to Jaws three or four, they're so terrible, mm-hmm. they're so bad. Yeah. Did you but, tell him that it was ba- kind of based on a true story? Well, he he was four. He didn't care. He just wanted to watch the big <laughs> shark. He just, he just wanted to watch the shark eat people. That's all he that's all he cared about. <laughs> Take him to the water, right? Here and go go in the water. No, we we live on a lake, so he's in the water all the time. Oh damn, that's right. <laughs> but he always asks, "Are there sharks in there?" And I'm like, "No, there's not sharks in the lake." There's crocodiles <laughs> though, and alligators. So be careful. Right. And there's a and there's some weird ladies who offer you a sword, so don't take it though. Oh, and piranhas. Watch out for the piranhas. Oh, that's another one, piranha. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. Which yeah. are you talking like the new one or the classic one? No, the classic, or, classic. Yeah. No, no piranha no. 3D, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, in a couple of years, that is going to be considered classic. You're gonna see uh, Kevin Smith is yeah, coming yeah. out with his own Jaws movie. What um, he is? He's coming out. It's like this the tr- ending of his horror trilogy. It's gonna be called Moose Jaws. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Moose Jaws. Moose Jaws. Because that was Walt. It was it was Tusk, Tusk in the trilogy. Yeah, yeah Tusk was was the second one. Yoga Hosers. Yeah. Oh, what wasn't wasn't Red State his? Red State his. Yeah, but I don't think it's in that trilogy. No. Oh, okay, okay. That's not part of the trilogy. It's just, That's just one other one. It, 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 it's it's when you got people monsters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dark, dark twisted. 
Jerry's he's doing a Jane Silent Bob reboot now. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that. Filming. I'm excited for that. I was at, I went to see um I went and saw him and Jamie was live um last year and they did a scene from that. Uh, a, a scene that's gonna be in that movie and it was really hilarious. So um I had David look up some stuff that are gonna be coming out so, um oh, for real soon here. And I, I guess we can talk to you is what do you think about stuff that's coming out? Like um, yesterday, I actually just read that they're going to be a uh, Clive Biker, uh, Clive Barker's uh, book of blood. Um, oh, really? Series. Um, I'm not sure exactly where I think things going to be streaming, but it's, it is going to be coming out, I think in the next year or so. That'll be cool. Yeah. Streaming would be great because then you get, you know, a little, little more different content. <laughs> yeah. And you get, you get more, you get more storytelling and more, more building of, of what's happening. Yeah. Um, well, I wonder if they have. I don't know if they'll have the rights to include um, uh, Hellbound Heart. Hmm. Mm. I wish they'd do more good quality Hellraiser movies. Personally. Yeah, yeah that, that thing went off the the deep end. Did you see? Inf- did you see Inferno? Hellraiser Inferno. No, I, I saw. So it, it's a newer. It's a newer one from like oh seven or something time frame. But it's actually pretty decent. But it's like very much not a Hellraiser film. It's just a. It's just a decent like oh. horror film. Well, I think that three three of the movies that just came out, well, not just came out, but three of the uh, Hellraiser movies, they didn't even start off as Hell, Hellraiser movies. They kind of just forced them in there um, <laughs> oh, so that they can sell. It was like one of those, you know, um, movies that are like, how are we going to sell this to people? And how are we going like, to, oh, you know what? Let's put Pinhead in it. Let's throw yeah. a puzzle box in there. It's Hellraiser now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That that's my my theory on how um, Tokyo Drift became Fast and the Furious. <laughs> oh, I know, no, no joke. That is that like makes a lot of sense, though. Yeah. Started. So I'm I'm. I, it doesn't say where it's gonna be. I, I looked it up real quick. I don't see it. I just say it doesn't get TV series, but it doesn't say where it's gonna be. Um, it says a uh, few of the stories and collections have already been adapted to the screen, which are, we know we Midnight Meat Train. I've never I haven't seen that one though. Rawhead Rex, Dread. Um, the series aims to bring many, many of them to life, but not only that, it will have brand new stories from Barker. Nice, that's cool. So, I like I like Kyle Barker a lot. He had a he had a he had a comic series in the nineties. I can't remember. Fright something was that was really fun. Oh, the uh, um, yeah, I'm, I have a few of them in my box. Yeah, it's it's like Clive Barker's and Clive Barker's Fright Night or Fright Something. That's word Fright Night. All I remember it was it was there. I think it was fr- the f- Fright Night books, but it, one of them had 3D glasses in it. And yeah, yeah. I was like, oh my God, it's so cool. There was, they were a lot of fun. They were cheesy, but they were fun. They, they got me as a kid. I was like, Same. yeah, I'm buying that. Right? <laughs> Did y'all hear that Sylvester Stallone is writing a script for uh, Edgar Allan Poe? Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw it yesterday, and then I found it again right now. Oh. And it says, this is from Bloody Disgusting. Sylvester Stallone vows that he will eventually finish the script for his Edgar Allan Poe biopic. Hey. Is he going to star as Edgar Allan Poe too? I, I, probably. I don't know. I won't watch him if he's starring as Edgar Allan Poe. As long, I think as long as his, his lip is still on his face, he'll, he'll be able to do it. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> that's all over the top for me. I just don't know if I can handle it. Over the top for you? You're gonna you're gonna see uh, Edgar Allan Poe um, uh, come out with a machine gun, the head bandana. <laughs> I was I was I was thinking of what I was gonna say, and I, I that over the top reference just went over over my head. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Nevermore. Never uh, the Raven. 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're getting we're going into that renaissance of horror. Um, there's just so many things coming out, and not just cheap stuff. I mean, there's a lot of cheap stuff coming out, but um, I feel like there's a lot better quality mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. movies coming out now. Not just trying to, um, not just trying to to cash in. Yeah, you're gonna get some good high budget stuff. But I mean, even even with the creators that are making uh, making stuff on a shoestring, you're still getting decent stuff because the mm-hmm. technology is there for them that wasn't available prior or the ability to to cheat it well like i had said before um i think it was in the halloween episode we did i feel like they're starting to respect this more as um respect the audience yeah, yeah. they're not just trying to make stupid horror movies they're, they're they're trying to make them a little bit better not only filmed but better acting um and actually pumping some money in it because now they're seeing there's a lot of money in, in horror oh well um, you're seeing like a lot of the streaming services take a look at it mm-hmm. and say, Oh, Hey, you know, we can make the other, the other side of funny is scary and we can get just as much of a draw with the scary stuff as we would with the funny stuff. So we might as well give, give that an opportunity as well to flourish. And they have the, they have the ability, the money and then the, the, uh, the uh, delivery service for the content. And it's, it makes it um, makes it a lot more, accessible for folks mm-hmm. yeah well look things on netflix like the haunting of hill house and stuff like that that just were huge hits and you know people want more stuff like that and black mirror and stuff they all fit in these all different types of horror and scary films and people love them and i was on a sh- i was on a <coughs> talking with a guy on a show uh, last week talking about horror and he was like horror is the one genre that it's it's a, its own big genre but within it are so many sub genres that there's mm-hmm. literally a genre a genre of horror for everybody for anybody who wants to get into it and so He's like one of the things he loved about horror, I, and he said to me, and I was like, "Oh, I agree too." Um, is horror is a very, very inclusive culture when it comes to that? Like, it's just it's about scaring everybody, and it's great. <laughs> right, right. And you know, um, I would last night I was actually um, watching. I, I don't know if you all have Hulu, um, but they have this twelve months, twelve uh, movie kind of thing going on into the dark. I think it's called. Yeah, Bloomhouse Productions. Okay. And I watched the first one was Puka. Um, it's not the greatest horror, horror story, but it's actually it's, it's pretty good. But it's not it's not the best. <laughs> Let's check that out. We have, I, have, I have Hulu. And we're always trying to find what to. We have Hulu because you want a couple shows we want to watch like as they air each week. But we have it like the upgraded package. So we don't have to like have ads because you know I don't want ads. <laughs> but um, we, we, I never know what to watch on Hulu because I was like we watch our, our couple of shows and I'm like, what else do we find on Hulu? <laughs> it's hard to find. It, they have stuff. It's hard to find the stuff. Though. Yeah. It's not as easy as uh, yeah. It's not as easy it is as it is with Netflix. Even Amazon Prime has a lot of horror, but mm-hmm. it's it's hard to find the the thing that will catch your um, attention with uh by just by sc- just scrolling through. Yeah, I think I think Netflix is really good about um their recommended stuff. It's really good about getting stuff. You watch one thing and it, it gives you good recommendations of other stuff like that. And there's a lot of different genres they put that way. Whereas like I yeah. said, Hulu and stuff they don't put much much emphasis into you know oh you watch this here's more things in that same world although they do have sometimes where they show up drunk or something one of the workers because i'll be like watching a bunch of horror and it's like you might like dumpling i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) you might like cars you might like yeah you might might like it i mean see see, on my right on my netflix i never know if if it's that or not because you know my kids will watch netflix and they won't go to the kids account sometimes i go to my Uh, account so all of a sudden i'll i'll have watched you know 20 episodes of larva and the lego movies i'm like wait i didn't watch this (laughs) (laughs) and it messed with all my recommendations (laughs) 
You are now so, um, this. is there anything that we've glossed over, um, John, on, um, on the Ions anthology that you want to go ahead and, and make sure we, we talk about before we, we uh, let go, let, no, end the podcast. Um, yeah, just uh, make sure you go check it out. And if you like it, give it a, you know, back it at one of the awesome levels and share it out with all your friends and tell them to back it. I'm, I'm really passionate about this book. <clears throat> I'm really. Back it, share it. Back it. Share yes. It. Yes. And I, I'm really passionate about this book and all the stories and creators that were done with me. I mean, it took, this first book by itself took 22 people to make, you know, from start to finish. That's how many people worked on all these stories and helped get it, get it from, you know, nothing to a, a full book people are going to be holding their hands. So backing this book and getting it funded just means that we can do the next book even faster, you know, and get, get these other stories out and, and finish this world out. And, you know, we've got, we got lots of plans to build in this world after those four books, but we're focused on just those four books right now. And so this first, getting this first book out and done as a proof of concept of what this world is, which I, I'm really proud of what we put together. And I'm really proud to have everybody in this book. So getting this first book out there and people sharing it and backing it, would you know, lets us do more and lets us, you know, keep being creators and let these creators keep getting paid for their work and all that kind of fun stuff. Cool. And like I said, I will make sure to go ahead and, and um, put all the, all the links as soon as it, they're live, I'll make sure to put the links in the description that we all can go ahead and, and go out there and back this um, as I will. And um, hopefully you guys will, will help this meet the goal way sooner than, than those 30 days. And uh, maybe we can get some stretch goals in there um, added on there as, as they're, as the goals are being met. Yeah, we have some pretty cool stretch goals, stretch goals planned if we, if we hit them. And also, if you don't want to click links, you can go to ionsanthology.com slash Kickstarter, and it'll take you right to it. Boom. There you go. Make John's birthday great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Make my birthday awesome. <laughs> so at the beginning of the episode, I did tease that we, are, we do have some stuff coming up here. Um, we still have Shay and Aaron from All Crime, No Cattle coming onto the podcast to talk about the thing. We still, we still, um, still trying to get that um, scheduled here. We're both uh, really busy at times, but we're trying to get that in, in the next couple, a uh, couple of months or so. Um, I did have, um, I found a new podcast um, called I have a strange story and it's a uh, two sisters, one from, from Texas, one from Colorado who talk about little strange stories they've heard. And, um, you no know, listener stories that are, are that are um, submitted, and mm-hmm. I will be submitting one of my stories. See if they read it or not cool. to their to nice. um, something that happened to me. Cool. Not, this is this is something that's supposed uh, supposed to be actually something that happened to you, the person that wrote uh-huh. it, not some not not like a short story, or whatever. Um, so, so you guys can look out for that. I'll let you guys know if um, if they decide my story is good enough for that. <laughs> my personal encounter um but also we are um I'm, i have invited them over to this podcast so that we can we can review a movie and they're really interested in reviewing teeth um i have not seen that movie but they say it's a um, pretty good movie that uh well that is a little it's, it's really creepy so i will make sure to go out and watch that i think just teeth in general are creepy <laughs> i agree i agree is it about a dentist because that's where i'm going with that go where is it about a dentist I'm not sure. I'll need to look it up and see what it is, what it is. But that, that will be one of the movies we'll be reviewing here shortly, um, as well as on March 30th, um, I will be going back to another Texas um, podcast meetup um, in Fort Worth, Texas, and more, yeah. more, more um, news to come on that. But if you're in Texas or be around the Fort Worth area, uh, we would love to go ahead and see you out there. Most of the podcasts that are going to be out there will be um, true crime podcast mm-hmm. uh, with the small 
small section like myself that were horror related. So I'm trying to get them as many horror horror podcasters out there. So if you know any Texas based um, horror podcasts, uh, let me know. Um, I'll, I'll be more than happy to get them invited to the to the um, to the venue. Uh, we're trying to shut that shut down that place to where where um, they're like, no, 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 no more people who can come in. And, um, the only so. people there. Podcasters, yeah. <laughs> podcasters and fans. That's gonna be crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we're we're gonna we're, we're we're a couple things that we're even further down the line. We're gonna have other podcasters coming on and, and reviewing movies as we did at the end of last year. So just tune in, uh, keep keep tuning in, and we'll we'll be getting more of these episodes out there for you. Uh, remember, we do have our um, some T-shirts and stickers you can get on um, T T Public. I'll make sure to put the link on there. If you want to go ahead and, and um, support the show by, by clicking on that, uh, we'll be more than I'll be more than happy to take your money. No, <laughs> that money doesn't go to me. <laughs> Help the show represent. Yeah. Um, I think I get like a dollar out of every shirt or something that comes out of it. But um, pay for hosting. <laughs> yeah, and that's really that's really the only thing I really want to do is help help pay for the hosting. Um, but and that's all I really look for because this this show is not going to go anywhere because of uh, money constraints. It, it, it's just we just need a, we need help just uh, so you can pay the hosting, and that's all we're looking for. All right, guys. Um, anything you guys want to add? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I appreciate being on. <laughs> well, thank you very much for for waking up early or staying awake. I'm not sure what you, what you did, but. Um, <laughs> And I know I woke up early. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, thank you very much for, for, um, for being on, on here, John. And whenever the other books come out, make sure to come back on and we'll, we'll talk about this. Sounds good. I appreciate that. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thank you, David. Thank you, Greg, for joining me again. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt podcast. Monsters are everywhere. They always have been. They lurk, hidden in every shadow, behind every dark thought. They are probably in your closet, possessing your friends, and they're almost certainly creeping behind you now. They are most often undetectable, and when they're not, it's too late. Throughout time, these monsters have feasted on society, both physically and metaphysically. The chaos they bring fuels a great dark spirit that seeks to end the world with pain and torment. The Ains are our only hope. The Ains family has been cursed since before recorded history to detect the presence of these monsters. It is their bound duty to stop these creatures from destroying humanity through any means necessary, be it by sword, spell, or other. Though the Ains can feel when the creatures are in close proximity, the monsters themselves are also drawn toward the family. But not everything is as it seems. And although the war between the monsters and the Ains has waged for centuries, the black and white battle lines have grayed over the years. Not all monsters may be considered evil. Not all Ains are as righteous as one would think. These are the tales of the Ains family. Visit AinsAnthology.com to find out more.